0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is believe.
1: I want to hear scary. cannons. Outfield, Pull-up ball of the five. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. My Evans does it again. Fire the cannons, Bucks. It's first and goal. That's, That's picked off. That's picked off. And who else? Rondell Barber. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers may ride to the Super Bowl with that one.
0: Third down, 18. Dropping Gannon, looking Gannon, looking Gannon. Those
1: up with it. Heads in the side. Derek Brooks 30. Brooks to the 25. He's 20. going. Derek Brooks all the way. There it is. The dagger's in. Derrick. We're going to win the Super Bowl. And they're the cannons go. Fire them. Keep, well. Keep on firing them. Keep on firing them.
0: Welcome back, Bucks fans, to a brand new edition of the Cannon Fire Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Rip Matthew. Joined alongside me, my good buddy and co-host from BucksNation.com, Evan Wanish. We are two days removed from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers' loss on the road to the Indianapolis Colts. And we're going to break down everything we know, the latest headlines and more heading into this week's game against uh, (laughs) the Carolina Panthers, who just fired... Their head coach in Frank Reich after a 1-10 start. So an interim head coach is on the slate with a rookie quarterback to boot. We'll talk about that more on the game preview this week. But really what we're here to talk about today is uh, is a lot of the reactions after Sunday's loss uh, from both the media, from players, the quarterback, the head coach, some of the other players in the locker room. It's kind of a state of the Bucks show, you know. It's that point of the season where we made it clear how we felt after Sunday's loss. Kind of felt like that—that that, that was it, you know. That was the loss that, at least for me, has taken the wind out of my sails. Now the Bucks still have six games left on the season, four of those being divisional games. So, still have a shot at the postseason. As weird as that is to say with a four and seven record, but a, a very uncertain state of affairs right now for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Evan.
1: Yeah. And I mean, you know, obviously it's uh, being at four and seven, you're in a do or die situation now. I mean, you know, pretty much going to be do or die from here on out. And, hopefully you know they're they're able to write to the ship here soon um because if they can't you know it's going to be a lot of jobs out and a lot of people that are going to be out so and like we talked about in the last episode like there's going to be a lot of changes if this team you know doesn't win any more games doesn't make the playoffs you know stuff like that like there's going to be a lot of changes so um you know being four and seven losing two straight you're just hoping that It doesn't snowball, which I know is a big, uh, big
0: famous quote that Todd Bowles had. I believe if if you're that was that after the Atlanta game, I I think it was. It was after one of those losses. But no, uh, he was actually asked about that comment as recently as this week. And Todd said that he doesn't think it has snowballed his words. Yeah, I, I
1: don't don't quite understand. I don't think he knows what snowballed means, but. Um, because to me, this is the kind of losing six or seven is kind of the definition, um, of snowball. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's you, you got to try and stop the bleeding and uh, you know, they have a pretty good opportunity uh, at doing that this week against Carolina. Like you said, like this isn't the preview show. We're not going to get too much into Carolina specifically. This, you know, today is more about just, just the Bucks, not necessarily about that matchup, but they do have an opportunity this Sunday to, to snap that losing streak and, and to potentially ha- get a pretty big division win right now. You know, they're one and one in the division. You have a chance to go over 500 in your division. And uh, you know, it's it's gonna be tough. I mean, they need to win three games just to even get back to five hundred. So it's gonna be tough sledding from here on out. And like, you know, I nine and eight, like that's not likely at all like going five and one down the stretch like this team's not going five and one down the stretch like there, there's no way so uh I, I think right now you're just hoping that if if you're a fan that wants to win the nfc south one i don't blame you like i you know and also i don't blame the fans who at this point are just ready to see the season be done like I, I get both sides um but if you're a fan who wants to win the nfc south be prepared to probably do it with an eight and nine record and you just gotta hope you know the saints and falcons can't win many more ball games because if they do it's it's not really gonna matter
0: Tampa Bay losers of their last six out of seven games and uh, people are are running out of patience people are getting fed up and most recently we we got some harsh message uh, a harsh word sorry from the quarterback Baker Mayfield after the loss in Indy Baker Mayfield had some harsh words for the rest of the team specifically guys he does not think are taking things seriously enough maybe that that's what was gathered from this quote but it is pretty telling about where the Bucks are. It's hard to fake the funk when you are four and seven. And as I mentioned, losers of your last six out of seven games. But Baker said, quote, Until everybody gets pissed off enough to get it fixed, there will be no changes. I know where I'm going to head at the end of this week. I'll get my job fixed and try to drag as many people along with me as well. To boot, here's a quote from Todd Bowles. Todd Bowles acknowledges mistakes keep happening, but says they're happening from different people in different situations each week. Quote, it shouldn't be. It's things we've done every day. We've done right hundreds of times. And at certain at a certain point in time, it doesn't get done. Now, aside from that being coach talk 101, kind of, you know, saying a lot without saying nothing at all, between what Todd Bowles has said at multiple points this season, he's alluded before to maybe some starters not putting in as much effort, but between that and what Baker Mayfield has to say, we learn more and more about this Bucks team week after week. And, uh, you know, a week like this, it does not seem to be any good news at all coming from this camp. And this is the first time all season where we almost have to call the locker room into question. This is the first time in, I think, four years maybe the Buccaneers locker room has been brought into question because we're talking about execution errors. We're talking about starters on the team not necessarily pulling their weight. So the million-dollar question, Evan, and I'll toss it over to you. Where are the leaders in this locker room? Because at this point, it doesn't sound like anyone's being held accountable uh, week after week on a very bad Buccaneers football team.
1: Yeah, you know, I I think Scott Reynolds of Peter report kind of laid it out best. Uh, I think I I think it was in his two point conversion uh, column that he did. And he kind of pointed out that you look at a lot of the leaders, Mike Evans. Can be a rah-rah guy at times. Can be a little bit fiery, but most of the time is a, is a good guy, right? He's a happy-go-lucky kind of guy. Chris Godwin, same way. Um, Tristan Wirfs is just an all shucks, you know, kind of guy. Like great football players, like you know, I'm not saying they're bad, but like their personalities in the locker room, that's what they are. You know, Levante David is a lead by example, quiet kind of guy. Right? Devin White is sort of that fiery guy, but that doesn't work as much when you're not playing well. Baker Mayfield is sort of that guy. But when you look at it, those are the leaders. Where are the where are the you know, Scott Reynolds labeled it? Where where, where are where are the, the the pricks? Right? Where where where's the where's the guy? He laid you know, he talked about Jason Bier Paul and the Dominican Sue for the you know few years that they were here, right? Those guys were in the locker room. Like and they they weren't being like a holes to like their teammates on like intentionally obviously but like that type of person that like isn't gonna let stuff slide and that and that is what I think this team's missing they don't need the star player to go out and do it but they're missing the guys who are willing to say hey like enough of this you know and, and they're just to they put an end to it and right now that they they don't have enough of those guys at all
0: set the expectation and hold people accountable. You know, it is what it is. It, we've heard some stories. I'm sure that there's a lot of stories we haven't heard and probably won't ever hear, but I hate to keep bringing it up. I know people get tired of hearing about it, but the Tom Brady era, guys were held accountable. We've heard stories about how guys like Leonard Fournette clearly did not have the right mindset, didn't ma- didn't really want to be here. You know, that 2020 season, right around December, right around that last-minute push for the postseason, where the it, Bucs was, it was
1: almost around this point in 2020, he was
0: almost cut. Bruce Arians yeah. came to him, and as a man, I mean, this is the head coach, so maybe he had some other players saying things to him. But at the end of the day, he did not have the right mindset to be here. Like he he didn't want to be here. You know, he wasn't fulfilled with his role. He he didn't feel like it was it was paying off for him. So that led to not as much production as we would have liked to see on the field. And and that's a losing mentality. And you don't need that. And that's what this Bucks locker room has been without, time and time but, again. But now, but the more that we credit, hear about credit it this to season, Fournette,
1: though. credit to Fournette. He turned it around. He did. You know, he this did. Bucks team, they haven't turned it around.
0: He did, and credit to Fournette. We got playoff Lenny. They made a bunch of T-shirts, made a good amount of money. But there's nobody in this Bucks locker room right now, I think, who is who is setting the standard and then holding people accountable. Like it, it's, I, I think it's different when we talk about you know Bruce Arians. Cutting a Vernon Hargraves back in what was it, 2019? You know, it's kind of different. Like I I don't think, you know, Devin White doesn't need to be cut. You know, guys like that who are kind of not not really pulling their weight, and that that's who it's being alluded to. Everything we've heard is it's not really the grinded out kind of guys. It's not the Trey Palmers. You know, it's it's maybe some of the guys who you would expect a lot more from. And that begs the question ultimately who it is. We'll never know. But you know, you have to start pointing fingers and you have to look at the leaders first. And and a lot of those leaders that we consider the veterans in this Buccaneers locker room are the guys who are being paid the most. And uh, there's been a few of them who definitely uh, underperformed this year. Well,
1: you know, you you say, you know, we'll never know. I, I think we might find out because I think you're going to see who's here and who's not next year. Um, and, and I think that'll give you a little bit of a clue as as the what exactly you know Baker Mayfield referring to or Todd Bowles is referring to. Remember, uh, I think I think it was what, Tristan Rivers. I, I think what was it either last year or, or, or this year, Todd Bowles had said something along the lines of guys are still, you know, riding their coattails off yeah. the Super Bowl win. I, I I think it was last year. So like this may have been an issue last year. And if you connect the dots on who was on the team last year versus this year and who's a, you know, potentially not on the team next year. I think we can all infer it. without saying names. We're not here to accuse anybody. Like we're, we're not going to sit here and say it's definitely this guy. If you guys want to do it in the comment section, go ahead. But we're like, we're not going to sit here and point out names because no name was given, right? And no name will ever be given like publicly, but you can infer from clues. Um, as the who may be on the roster bubble for next year, who may not be back, you can infer who it is and. You know that's an issue. I mean, that's a, that's a serious issue, and it's something that you know at this point in the season, probably not going to get fixed. Like, yeah, I, probably not going to get. And also, that falls on the head coach because, it does, because Bruce Arians. If, if Bruce Arians was in this situation, it wouldn't it wouldn't happen this way.
0: Yes, because the only reason this is an issue at this point in the season, I mean, it is almost we're three days away from December. You know, the only reason it's an issue is because clearly whoever it is. Uh, doesn't fear repercussions from the head coach. You know, they 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 don't fear consequences of just not showing up and doing their job. Like, that's what it sounds like to me. Uh, again, I don't want to make too many assumptions here, but it's definitely an interesting point to come up this week because the frustration is visible. Uh, Todd Bowles, it, it definitely falls on him. You know, these players may like him, they may respect him, but if he's more of a friend than a coach, then you're going to have guys who underperform because they're not scared about what, what Todd's going to do. And and this is a tweet from Rick Stroud, who, who does a really good job of kind of wrapping this up here. He, he talks about Todd Bowles and that quote about acknowledging mistakes and how they keep happening from different people in different situations, and it's things that shouldn't be happening, right? This and that, this and that. Well, Stroud says, quote, If this is true then they have misjudged the character of some players or their work ethic and or attention to detail is different now than if you have made it to a big contract. Either way, it's bad because they don't fear being held accountable by the head coach, Todd Bowles. It's damning either way. Different people making mistakes on things we've done thousands of times? Where is the leadership of this team in the locker room? And and, and obviously, that's you know what my big rant was about at the beginning of the episode, but he makes a great point, and it's unfortunate because... In more ways than one, we knew that losing a lot of the veteran status this team has had in previous seasons, you were going to feel it. But coming into the season, we talked about you know Devin White being a consummate professional and Mike Evans being a consummate professional about their contract issues. And again, that's not who this is about. But I really thought that this was like a cohesive enough unit to where this locker room wasn't going to be an issue at all. But again... They have lost six out of their last seven games, so it, it's hard to not be frustrated, especially if you are a player in that locker room. Yeah, but at the same
1: time, you know, you talk about oh, they lost veterans. This is Devin White's fifth year. You are a veteran, you know. This is Mike Evans. Is what is it year ten? Yeah, year ten. Yeah, I, I, I mean, you're you're well a veteran, you know. um And again, we're not saying it's those guys, but like they have veterans on this team. Like Baker Mayfield is a veteran. He's twenty eight years old. Like. He was drafted in what 2018. Well, like you know, he, he, he they have veterans. I know what you mean. I yeah. know, like you know, Tom Brady's not there, and this and that, and like even like the Logan Ryan's, you know, aren't there. Like I get that. Uh, at the same time, though, you know, eventually, like these kids that you drafted in 2017 and 2018 and 2019, like they're your veterans now. Vita Vea is your veteran now. Carlton Davis is your veteran now. Jamel Dean is your veteran now. You know, all three of those guys have made it to second contract. You know, and Devin White is coming up on a second contract. Like, those are your veterans. Those need to be your leaders. And right now, I'm not going to say that they're, you know, they're leading wrong, but it's just I think the personalities don't quite mix. Um, Like I said, I don't think there's that rah-rah guy. And look, not every player needs to be that, right? Like, that was a big debate, I remember, with, 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 with Jameis. You know, that everybody liked the pregame speeches, but some people thought they were corny. And like, you didn't need to be a rah-rah type of guy. You didn't need to be the guy always standing up and saying something. You, know, you can lead by example. I mean, Gerald McCoy did it for years. Levante David has done it for years. I mean, you know, should be a Hall of Famer, right? Gerald McCoy, probably not a Hall of Famer, but like a great career. Like, you don't have to to be that type of guy. Right. To, to do that. And I would, you know, Mike Evans, for the most part, has been that type of guy. Chris Godwin, like I mentioned earlier, the issue, though, is inside the locker room, the things that fans and media don't quite see, you know, what's going on inside that behind closed doors. That I think is where the issues are. And maybe there's some resentment and some, je- you know, I don't know about jealousy, but and like you said, yeah, losing six or seven. That's what losing comes. That's what comes with losing. Right that these types of things, these types of quotes,
0: these types of stories, when you lose six or seven, that's what happens. We've been here before. I think it was what, 2019. The Bucks had lost a ridiculous stretch of games. And Jason Pierre Paul was like upset in the locker room because everybody was talking about the girls. They were going to be taking out that night after the game or the steak dinner. They're going to go eat the reservations, the vacation they have planned. And he was pissed. He called out the rest of the locker room. Do you remember that? Because the media was there. And we were getting updates from Jenna Elaine and Greg Allman about how JPP has just taken over the locker room and really put some people in their place. And, and I do think, you know, a, a lot of the disappointment this season obviously comes from a 3-1 and start, and then when you start losing, you start losing quick. Like, we knew this season was going to be tough. And uh, our, our buddy Lee Ayers makes a good point in the chat. He says, it's a shame how this franchise over the years, when they find success, they can never sustain it. The great play only lasts a few years and then they collapse back into less than mediocrity. It is unstable. And that's, I mean, I would say you could say that about most teams in the NFL. You know, the winning winning window is only open for so long, depending on your situation. If you've got a 20-year franchise quarterback, then so be it. But clearly the Bucs weren't in in that situation. We knew coming into this season it was going to kind of suck. You know, I think, again, losing the way that they have has absolutely deflated everyone because... In perfect Bucks fashion, at the beginning of the year, they get everyone's hopes up, and then they suck ass, and here we are. Still a game back in the NFC South, which is why I think when we talk about Todd Bowles here momentarily, uh, we'll have a lot to say about that and his potential status. But I, I ultimately, I will say most of my disappointment comes from the players on this team. Sorry, I'll wrap it up with this. The players on this team who were on the Super Bowl team who were around the veteran status, who were around Tom Brady, who saw Jason Pierre-Paul in the locker room tell everybody to get their shit together. The Levante Davids, the Mike Evans, the Devin Whites, the guys, the Will Golston. I mean, he's an underrated veteran, but he has been on this team for a long-ass time. These are guys who know what the standard was, and I'm a little disappointed that it doesn't sound like they're really stepping up, and, and being that guy who keeps everyone in check, and maybe that has happened at some point, just not in front of the media, and maybe all we're doing here is throwing assumptions out, and you know what they say about making assumptions. But it just it it definitely feels like you know we talk a lot about the leaders on this team. We talk a lot about Todd Bowles from top to bottom. Everything has been underwhelming.
1: Yeah, and I mean you know just like we're gonna segue into it, it could cost Todd Bowles his job. So um, could could very well do that. Uh, I mean this team. You look at the three and one start. Here's the thing. They're probably the Vikings had three turnovers, right? In the week one game. The Bucs had zero. If the Vikings have two turnovers, the Bucks are probably three and eight right now. Like if the if the Vikings have one less turnover, or if Chase McLaughlin doesn't hit a fifty-seven field goal, and it is i i mean, you're talking about a potential top four pick, you know, if they're three and eight instead of four and seven. Uh, even the Bears game, yeah, they won by 10. The, the Bears had the ball down three. The, the Bucks could have lost that game. Like, the, that wasn't a, a, an easy, and the Bears were playing horrible football at the time. And the Bucks were only up three late in the fourth quarter. And the Bears had a chance to drive. So I think, you know, the 3-1 start was a little bit of smoke and mirror. Uh, the Vikings pretty much beat themselves. And then the Bucks barely escaped the Bears. Um, obviously played a really nice game in New Orleans. Derek Carve clearly was not healthy. Um, I, you know, I mean, he's also not good anymore, but like he's not healthy. Um, so the 3-1 start was good, but at the same time, yeah, it was. I mean, it's proven right now that it was, it was smoke and mirror real. Because if it was real, then you beat teams like Atlanta. You know, when you go up against – obviously, Houston's playing great football right now, like fantastic football, probably going to make the playoffs with C.J. Stroud. But you go up with 46 seconds left, you win that game. Right, so then you beat Atlanta, you beat Houston, and you're you're already beating Tennessee. You know, si- You know, a, a six and five record right now. The so heck, Colts, whatever. I think I don't remember if I had predicted the Colts one as a loss or not, but um, you know, it's a game on the road, whatever. But even if you won that one, I mean, seven and four. You know that if this team was truly good. That's what you do. They take advantage of a three and one start. And instead of doing that, they have just squandered it. And it is going to likely, I mean, to, you know, we talked just like you mentioned, they are a game out of the NFC South,
0: but it is likely going to cost Todd Bowles' his job. Well, and that's what's been so brutal about this year is I mean, the losing, obviously, but the way that they have lost and the teams that they have lost too. I mean, they've lost a lot of games, but. Every single week, every ounce of hope that I seem to have for the upside of this team, they just go out there and they squander it. You know, They find ways to lose football games. They give up a 75-yard game-winning drive to a rookie quarterback who sets a passing yards record because he was just tearing them up all day. They find a way to lose with two offensive possessions to march down the field and try and win the game against a Falcons team who was starting Desmond Ritter, who made two costly mistakes in that game, who for some reason the Falcons feel like he was the answer, so they threw him back in, and he almost tried to lose them that game against New Orleans last week. So I you know, I kind of have my doubts that they're going to beat that ass bucket of a team again because they couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. They lost 16-13 to at home to a terrible Falcons team. Like, the Falcons are a joke, and the only teams they've really beat this year are all the guys within the division. Like, they're beating up on the NFC South. Um, I, I think it's just, man, like it, every week we try to, we try to hang on to this hope that they're going to figure it out this week. You know, the, the offense showed good signs this week. So next week they should be able to figure it out. Uh, Rashad white finally got a hundred yards on the ground this week. So, you know, this should have been the week for the offense to figure it out. Or the defense has been playing well, even though they're hurt. Like there's just, there, there's a bit, there's been so many different factors, but at the end of the day, this team loses cause they suck. Like like, that's what it boils down to. The Bucks suck this year. And I, I just, I, I cannot, I cannot get myself to believe that with six games left, four of them being division games, even though they're a game back, has this team proven anything to you? Have they proven anything at all, aside from the first four games? Have they proven anything to you that they can, I mean, win three out of six games here?
1: Look, you got yeah, you got New Orleans, you got Carolina twice, you got Atlanta, and you got the the two non divisional games are Jacksonville at home, like in, in much better football than Tampa Bay has. So like that's going to be a loss right now for me. Like Green Bay is going to beat them if if both these trends continue in this way. Like Green Bay's going one way, Green Bay's going up, right, and Tampa's over here going down, right. So I I think that could probably be a loss. Jacksonville I think is a contender in the AFC. If that's a loss. Like, are you going to sweep New Orleans again? You could, but like, I don't know. I don't know if you're going to. You, you mentioned you already lost to Atlanta once. Like, are you, and that was at home. Are you going to beat them on the road? I don't know. I, I mean, and even freaking Carolina, like, I, I do think you know, a little spoiler for the preview. I, they're, go- I think they're going to beat the Panthers. I actually think they're probably going to sweep the Panthers, but like, the game's going to be close. Like, like this game is not going to be simple, I don't, I don't think. Um, teams with interim coaches, especially right after the coach gets fired, always seem to play with a little bit more fire, uh, a little bit more pride. Because, you know, these are professionals, and they take it on themselves. Like, they got Frank Reich fired, right? That's, like, in their mindset. Um, so, yeah, it's not going to be a, an easy game. So, no, like, I can't have any faith that this team is going to end up with eight wins even to match last year's total. And to me, if you're making the case for Todd Bowles, they to stick around, you went eight and nine with Tom Brady as your quarterback in year one. You got to the playoffs, you got destroyed in the playoffs, blown out, wasn't, wasn't a close game at all. Then the next year you come back and you can't, and now you don't have Tom Brady, but you can't even match last year's record and you missed the playoffs altogether. I, I just I don't see how you keep your job after that.
0: Yeah, I think Todd's fucked. Um, I, I said after the Colts game, or I said before the Colts game, and I stand on this like that was the game. And I think he lost his job by losing that game. I think the only way Todd Bull saves his job is if the Bucks somehow win four out of six, three of those need to be division games and win the NFC South to make a postseason appearance because you simply can't fire a coach who makes it to the postseason two years in a row. I can't justify that. And I know that we had the Todd Bowles conversation three weeks ago. And my my tone was different. And that's simply because I had more hope in this team. Like, I did not expect them to just keep... Losing. I knew it was going to be a mediocre season, but I really thought with the upside we had seen at some point, they were going to snap out of it and they were still a good enough team to beat the teams. They should beat. They are not a good enough team to beat the teams. They should beat. So I can't count on them winning ever. I can't count on them winning (laughs) for the rest of the year. I just don't feel like I can. I cannot go into a game telling myself, ah, the Bucks should win. Cause the only game this year that I've done that is the Titans game. And like, it, we, we really didn't feel that great, you know, because the Titans suck. They're not good. And it, it, I it, it, let's talk on the doubt of the fan base in general, just looking ahead to a Carolina Panthers team. Like, I had a tweet go, I don't want to say viral. That sounds kind of dumb, but I had a tweet get a lot of attention because I said the Panthers are going to play like the 85 Bears next weekend. It just is. That's how the Bucks timing works out. They get an interim head coach and a rookie QB to boot. I mean, that's the perfect buck killer formula. So... There's just so much about this team that I think has changed even in the last few weeks. But that loss against the Colts for Todd Bowles, that was it. That was it. That was it. I think he's gone if the Bucs miss the playoffs. Even if they're one game shy, I think he's I think he's done so. Yeah. I if the Bucks keep losing, if they miss the playoffs, they're gonna get a top ten pick. (laughs) Like it, it yeah. really seems like they're I, mean, place.
1: I, I I think it's going to be quite similar to how it was last year. Like, I think there's going to be one NFC South team that makes the playoffs and then the rest of the NFC South teams are getting top 10 picks. Yeah, that's just that's how I think it's going to go down. Like, that's how it went down last year. Like, Carolina had nine. They trade up to one. But Carolina had nine. Atlanta had eight. And I think New Orleans might have had ten. Um so that's just that's how it, that's how it went last year, and that's how I think it's gonna go this year. Like I, I think it's gonna be one team makes the playoffs and the others get top ten picks.
0: We can wrap up our conversation about Todd Bowles here in a second, but we do have a good question uh from our buddy Lee in the chat, and I'll throw this at you. He says, How much of this leadership void in the locker room should be placed on Jason Light? I mean, Ooh. we know that Jason Light has a history of being a somewhat hands-on GM, you know, some games. Some games he's on the sidelines, but we know pretty much every game he he's around the team. Uh, he's around the team at practice. You know, at training camp, you always see him walking around. So they know his face. He, he's, he's not taking a hands-off approach. And we give him a lot of credit for putting this team together in the first place. So how much credit should he take for maybe some of the drama we're hearing about now?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think it has more to do with coaching. Um, and like the leadership, he's Jason Lee. It's not in that locker room every single day. He's not out in the meetings and practice and everything and talking to the team and trying to get them together. So I think it's more on coaching. Uh, that being said, yeah, it does matter. I mean, I think he, you have to find the right guys. Right. And that's the toughest thing. Excuse me. Um, that is that is the the toughest thing to me. You can look at the film all you want. You can tell who's a good football player, who's not. It's what's on the and this is going to sound cliche and it's going to sound corny, but it's what's on the inside that really matters, right? What is in your gut? You know, is there that fire in your gut? Is it in your mind? What's
0: that mindset? You sound right? like that. That's, you sound like that Arizona coach. Do you, uh, well, you see? Do you see Jonathan Gannon? Yeah. yeah, you saw the clip. Of, uh, yeah. Did you guys, did you guys drive still, to work or do you take the bus? Still. Yeah, I mean, that's what Jason did? Lake should
1: go should go in there in the meeting room and say that exact speech. Um, but, you know, you have to figure out what's in the mind of a football player. And I think that's the toughest thing for a GM to do. Now, clearly, you know, he's done something right. And there's a lot of people criticizing him. And look, he is not not immune to criticism. Like, he is not going to avoid it. Because at the same time, like, yeah, he drafted a lot of these players and he signed these free agents. At the same time, though, this isn't like even like 30 percent his fault. Like he is a very very small portion of blame here for me. Um, in a tough situation with the cap, uh, and and I, people are gonna you know if you're in pro of not getting rid of Todd Bowles, which I don't think there's many out there. There's some. There's there is some because there's those that believe like you can't just keep changing head
0: coaches, right? And that's that's yeah, true. I, I, I think there are some positive reasons to not get rid of Todd Bowles, like a. You know, uh, I, I'm i not ready what? to defend what? him and die on that hill. What?
1: <laughs> ahead, me finish one. your point.
0: Finish your point. No, 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 no.
1: His <sighs> it, it, defense, the, the defense that has been, you know, like regressing. <sighs> like, I mean, you know, that's that's what I think is going to doom his job. I think the defense regressing is what's going to doom him. If if the offense just sucked and they were losing games like the Atlanta game, 16-13, Okay, you could say, well, you know, we won seven games. Our offense wasn't really any good. Defense was good, though. Todd Bull a defensive guy. He's figured that side of the ball out. Let's keep him for another year. Try to try to improve the offensive line a little bit. Maybe you find another answer, a quarterback, this and that. But the defense being shredded by CJ Stroud, have a rookie record, right? And CJ Stroud's a great player. Like he is a great football player, but he was still a rookie the defense being shredded by Brock Purdy yet again, having a perfect passer rating, and then the defense getting shredded by Gardner Minshew, like, this defense is regressing, and I think that's the the thing that's going to cost him his job.
0: The defense has gotten worse every single week. I know guys are hurt. That was yeah, a besides lot of the besides talk-
1: the Tennessee game, which Tennessee is like arguably the worst offensive line in of football. A rookie quarterback and their number one wide receiver is DeAndre Hopkins, but their number two wide receiver is Kyle Phillips.
0: Like, yeah, he was their leading receiver on the day. Yeah. So the defense has gotten worse. The offense has gotten better as the season has gone on. Rashad White has really come out of his shell. I know you know he, he's still not a hundred percent the running back we want him to be, but last week he finally got that big thirty-eight yard run we've been waiting for. Got hundred yards on fifteen carries. Hats off to him. The offense has has grown. They have shown growth, and so when I talk about potential upsides of keeping Todd Bowles, that would also mean keeping Dave Canales. And I do think I would like to see what another year of this offense would look like because I think it I think it does get better. They've shown enough progress to where another year of Canales consistency that's the argument that could be made. That's the that's not the argument that I'm making, but that's the argument that could be made. That's all I'm saying. Could be. It it's it is it is an argument.
1: It is something that you can say. I just, yeah, yeah. I just have a hard time hard hard time believing that. Uh, even like basically like a month from now that we're not going to be talking about. All right, like who are some head coaching candidates? And we're not going to get into that right now because they, they they can still win. They can still make the playoffs. Like we're not there yet. Um. But like you know, December twenty eighth, we're recording this on November twenty eighth, December twenty eighth. I think it's it's gonna be pretty apparent as to what's gonna happen to to top bowls one way or another. Um, you know, and I I thought this a little bit too, uh, and and I don't personally, I don't think they would, but I would, if the Bucks make the playoffs. Right. Let's say they win, go eight and nine. Right. They go on a little run here. Or they win their division game, stuff like that. The Bucks make the playoffs and they lose 31 to 10 in that playoff game. I'm still firing top balls. Like, I, 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 what's the purpose? You get that's two straight years under 500, and that's two straight years you got demolished in the playoffs what is what is the what are we doing here like why why would i have any confidence that in year three it would get any different like i i don't i don't know why i would have any when you don't have as good of a draft pick now so like even if you say oh get a quarterback you know this and that that's the difference you're probably not gonna be able to land one now you know if you bring baker mayfield back yeah like he's been decent but like his ceiling is limited Like, I just, I don't know if they go in there in that playoff game, get demolished and get bounced. I don't think they would fire him,
0: but I would fire him. I think things are trending that way uh, for sure. Again, if the Bucs make the playoffs, anything can happen. I mean, they fired
1: Tony Dungy after he made the playoffs. You are right. I mean, it's we've seen this before with the Glazers. I just don't know how. If you're talking about building a culture, yes, it would be making the playoffs in what four straight seasons, which you know for this franchise is a big accomplishment. At the same time, though, like come on, it's not even not not even being competitive in those playoff games. Though, is that what you want? Is that the type of culture you want? I don't.
0: Yeah, definitely not a legacy of greatness. Uh, the postseason appearance is is important, and I think, you know, honestly, I'm always going to be on the side of, if we can make the playoffs, make the playoffs. I would love to see the Bucks somehow go 4-2 and two and make the postseason, even if they get bounced in the first round. I don't care. As a it's fan, fine
1: if you lose in the first round. You can't get blown out in the first round.
0: Yeah. I, I, yeah. I took my mom that playoff game last year i took my poor mother (laughs) hey i mean hey look look at it this way though you saw tom brady's final nfl game i did that's
1: what you you, you can always say that you can tell your grandkids that i wish i had
0: that game (laughs) Uh, when he got his ass kicked you know so as a fan i always want to see them win i'm not going to come on this podcast and say i want them to lose every game so they get a bad draft pick that's stupid it's a loser mentality i can't stand it I hate Sixers
1: it. fan. That's Sixers
0: fan. Me. <laughs> I hate it. I, you know, I hate it. I hate when people say that. Uh, cause if you want to see the team lose, then just don't watch. Like, don't like, don't waste your time. You know, if it, if it really, if it really offends you that much when they have a good game <laughs> or when they have a good week of practice, uh, then don't watch, you know, that that's what it boils down to. But I really don't think they're going to be able to make that happen. As we have this conversation on November 28th, I know it, that my it, it's three and three at best. Three and at three best. at best, and and it's crazy because at the beginning of the season, I mean, after that three and one start, when we're going into the bye week, you know, could you imagine how people would feel if if you said, "Oh, the Bucks just got to go three and three to make the playoffs"? Like, you would think this team was better, and, and week after week, they just proved to me that they are not. So it is unfortunate. I mean, yeah, I I mean, look, <laughs> I, uh, you know, I, I tweeted
1: this out on. September 25th, after they lost to Philly. I said, the Bucks next four games at New Orleans versus Detroit versus Atlanta at Buffalo. Yes, they beat New Orleans. But I said, despite the 2-0 start, things could get ugly fast. And guess what? <laughs> but yeah, they beat New Orleans. They lost to Detroit, lost to Atlanta, lost to Buffalo, then lost to Houston. Things got ugly fast. And then they had a great chance. They rebounded. Their backs were against the wall against Tennessee, right? They rebounded. They won the game. Okay, San Francisco, sorry, if you expect them to beat the 49ers, like even with their 3-1 and one start, like you're you're out of your mind. Like th- they weren't beating the 49ers team. The 49ers are one of the most talented teams in football. On the road, you know, the West Coast wasn't happening. But you had a great opportunity to come back and just rebound from that and not let this thing snowball, and instead hmm. it's another loss. And now you're looking at – Basically having to play almost perfect football down the stretch to even have a chance at making the playoffs and even perfect football. If you go four and two, there's no guarantee you make the playoffs because right now you're a game behind both New Orleans and Atlanta and Atlanta has a game in hand because they beat you. So even if you go 4-2 and down a the stretch, there's still no guarantee you're making the playoffs because you let these things snowball. You lost the game to Atlanta. You lost the game to Houston when you had to leave with 46 seconds left. You lost the game to, to uh, Indy. Like, that stuff matters right now, and unfortunately, you know, we we didn't plan for this entire podcast to be Todd Bowles talk, but it's sort of turned into that, but but it's what the people want to hear, it's what the people want to discuss, And, and that's what we're here to talk about, now, it isn't time for mock drafts and stuff like that, like, Trust me, I've done them, but that's just me. I was doing them freaking week three, like that's just how I am. Um, that that's not really a, a lack of faith in the books. That's just me loving the draft and seeing what you know you can do. But it's not time for that yet. Like there will be a time on this podcast, like you know, and also for the people that are saying, "Oh, if, you know, he's going to be fired midseason. No, he's not. Like like he's not. It would have to be. I, I will say this: if they lose on Sunday to Carolina. If they lose, I think they're, there's a non-zero chance that he's fired midseason. Because that loss to Carolina would be bad. That would be a three straight losses. That'd be seven of your last eight. You'd be four and eight, losing to a one-in-ten Carolina team at home against a rookie quarterback and an interim head coach. That's bad. I, I don't... It would still be very, very, very unlikely that they would fire Todd Bowles. That they just they've never done it, right? And I know there's a first time for everything. Like I understand that. But like they've never fired a head coach midseason. It just it hasn't happened. Like, you know, Scott Reynolds, I think, points out Raheem Morris lost 10 straight games during the 2011 season. Everybody knew he was getting fired at the end of the season, but they allowed him to move, go on, and lose 10 straight games. And some of those Bucks teams were not competitive at all. Todd Bowles' teams, like yeah, I think the Bucks are competitive. Like you know, Indies game that was a competitive game. The Houston game was competitive. Like I think they're I the, think, they're the I, best. I think that's that's what it would take for him to get fired, and they're just not there.
0: They're the best of the worst. They're the best yeah. of the worst, and they're the best of the worst because they can't even always beat the teams that they should be. But I want to end this on a positive. I mean, note. Are, are,
1: are, can we stop saying that though? The teams that they should beat? Why, why should they beat them? Well, they shouldn't because, I mean, they can't. Yeah, exactly. Like, anyone, like, like, so. why Why should, like, we're talking about, like, just like you said, though, or, or just like you said a few minutes ago, you can't rely on the Bucks to win any more games. Like, oh, you you're going to be no. going into this Carolina game being like, well, oh, I think they're going to win, but, you know, whereas, you know, like, the beginning of the season, the Chicago game, you're like, yeah, they, they should win. And then you were sitting there with the Tennessee game. Yeah, they should win. Even after they had lost four straight, you were like, yeah, they should win this game against Tennessee. And now it's like all pretty much gone. So, like, you're heading to that Carolina game, like, Oh, I guess the Bucks should win, but man, it wouldn't be a shock if they lost. Like, you know, like because nothing right now with this team uh, comes easy. And this is, like you said, it's a perfect recipe shaping up for a Bucks loss. I mean, interim head coach, rookie quarterback, they just fired their coach. The Bucks are sort of reeling. Uh, quotes come out of the locker room, this and that. I mean, it, it's all sort of shaping up for a Bucks loss. Now, will it be? I, I like I said, I don't think so, but it wouldn't be a shocker.
0: Our buddy Willie Beam in the moderator in chat, brings up uh what's up with these rumors about Bill Belichick reuniting with Jason Light in Tampa? We're not gonna talk about it. We're not doing that it, it's today. All, it's also,
1: it, it's we're not, news that Tom Brady was gonna be a 49er. Nope, so.
0: We're not doing it today. We're not doing it on Friday. Happening, so. We may not even do it next week. Maybe, maybe three weeks to a month from now, we can start talking about that, but not today. Not in November. Still six games happening. left on the schedule. But I do want to wrap up this uh this Todd Bowles slander podcast with a little bit of positivity and it co-aligns with your new series studs and duds here on the YouTube channel of people who are not familiar or if you only listen on audio youtube.com forward slash of fire podcast you can also find some more videos from us during the week yes and, uh, only yesterday.
1: available on YouTube so if you listen on audio we appreciate that but you can only find those videos available on YouTube
0: I wanted to talk about the young guys on this team who have been stepping up and and the most recent news being outside linebacker, rookie outside linebacker, Yaya Diaby has now made it above Joe Tryon Shoyinka on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers depth chart at the outside linebacker position. Yaya Diaby, Kalijah Kansi have been kicking ass, or Dennis, I know he didn't play the best, but he got his first real meaningful reps in the NFL this last weekend. And, uh, you know, without Levante David out there and Devin White having such a terrible game, very big shoes to fill, very tough situation to be in. And we saw how lost this defense was without 54 out there, but you know, I, I think we, we look ahead to what the bucks are going to have to be positive about. And I'm excited about potentially this, uh, this new and improved young Buccaneers defensive line. They, they have exceeded a lot of my expectations this year.
1: Yeah. they, They need, you know, the defensive line needs a few more pieces, but I'll say, I think it's pretty close. Um, Kalajanti, obviously, I would have I even I think I noted this in in the studs and duds. I would have loved to have seen what he would have looked like with a full training camp, full preseason, and a healthy whole season, right? People always note that okay, yeah, he missed some games here, but like he missed the entire training camp of preseason. Like I would have loved to have seen what he would look like right now with all those reps because those are such valuable reps. And not only did he miss that, he missed like a part of the season, right? He played the first game, a few snaps and then was out for the next four
0: or five games. So he's missed a ton, a ton of reps. He, is and, tie, he has missed a ton of reps, by the way. He is tied for first in the NFL uh, for TFLs among rookies.
1: Nice. Yeah, I mean, that, that speaks for itself. I don't even need to say much else. Like, that shows the production that he's had. Um, yeah, it's looking like he's a good one. Like, it's looking like a hit. And I talked about that before the draft. I was like, this 19th overall pick, whoever it is, like Jason Light has to nail it, like has to nail it, right? Joe Tranchoenka kind of looking like a miss, and I'm a JTS fan. Like, if you listen to this podcast a long time, you know that, but I'm running out of ammo to to be able to defend him. Um, looking like a miss. Logan Hall, looking like a miss. Like, those are th- his first two draft picks, the last, 2021, 2022. He needed 2023 to be a hit. And so far, it looks like it. And that guy Diaby, yes, come on. He got a little bit banged up. Uh, in the game against uh, Indy, hopefully he's okay. Obviously, the Bucks don't practice today, they'll start, they'll practice tomorrow. So we'll see about Jamel Dean or Levante David or even Baker Mayfield because, um, you know, that ankle man, we'll have to, we'll have to see. Uh, but as far as the oddity goes, yeah, his development's good. And like, do I think he's going to become this star pass rusher getting double in attacks every year? No, but like, I don't like and that's why I say like they need more, but like. It's two really good building blocks there along the defensive line. And that's where I think you need to start. Vita Veya is not, it's not like Vita Veya is 32 years old. Like Vita Veya is like, what, 28, 29 years old. He still has three, four, five years left, you know, to, to really be a productive player. So um, I think this defensive line can really be a strength of his team quickly. Now, has it been this year? No, it, it has not been. Um, particularly rushing the passer, it, it has not been. But, um, and that's why I said they're not a finished product. Like they need more. They need more development from Klajicansi and Yaya Diaby. But even guys Savasie Dennis, like you said, that's a tough role. You know, I mean, Levante David's arguably the best player on the defense. Like I'd say, you could make the oh, case no, no, for no. Levante David
0: or Vita Veya, I He say. is. He is, because um, because we saw it. We saw yeah, how I mean, lost the defense was on Sunday. There were time and time again. I mean, there was a point, up, I think it was the third quarter of the game. They gave out 39 to Houston with them. They, they, I mean, I'm sorry, but they did. I just, I don't know. I, I think they were they were they were definitely not in the right headspace on Sunday. Guys couldn't tackle. Uh they ran all over us. What else
1: is that's every game?
0: <laughs> Christian Izzy. What is game are we talking about here? Christian Izzy and came off of the sidelines. I don't know if you noticed this, but he came off of the sidelines, looked at Todd Bowles because Todd Bowles had to wave him off of the sideline to get into the play, and then he didn't know what he was doing. So he was just he's, looking at drives a free agent.
1: All right, Evan. Give him some give him some slack. But anyways, um yeah, a Dennis, I mean, I thought he played fine. I mean, you know, it wasn't like spectacular by any means, but he was the best linebacker the Bucks had on Sunday, which, you know, if you know the other linebacker the Bucks have, that's not really a surprise, but it's also saying something. Um so, I mean, yeah, if he can be a developmental guy, I mean, that guy may be like, a, sort of like that guy to sub in, right? Levante David is not going to play football forever. Like, a matter of fact, like Levante David may not be playing football next year. Like, I think, you know, he's t- he, t- taking one-year deals for a reason. Like, he is on a year-to-year thing right now. So Levante even may not play football forever. Devin White may not be, and I think most likely won't be back in Tampa Bay next year. So Sarasje Dennis could have an even bigger role next year. And uh, yeah, it's a good problem to have with the young players. Now, young players, just like you said with Christian Isian, young players are going to make mistakes. And I think Christian Isian, while maybe not a starter, um, I think early on in the season he was playing good he's telling you know slowed down a little bit but I think again he can be a good depth piece for you and that's that's good to have cheap young depth so you can spend money like bigger money on your starters it is is huge for team building to not have to spend too much money on depth uh, I think is, is really good and uh yeah the bucks so far the the 2023 20, rookie class is is looking pretty strong so hopefully though, with a potential top 10 pick, you can even build on that for 2024. And if you can hit a few home runs in 2024, in the 2024 draft, uh, you could be looking at a very quick turnaround for this thing.
0: Yeah. Getting close. couple of pieces away. Still need, you know, that big time edge rusher, the, the big difference maker. We're hoping JTS yeah. could evolve into something like that, but he just hasn't. not going to. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he just hasn't. He just got jumped by a rookie on the depth chart. So that tells you how his season is going and his potential future here in Tampa Bay. Shaq Barrett, I know it's been a tough year, but he's also been underperforming, and the Bucks are going to have to take a serious look at what his future looks like as well because yeah. they're going to have to get some of these guys off of the books as they take a look ahead at uh, who's going to be here and who will not in 2024. But ladies and gentlemen, that's just about going to do it for this week's episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast. We will talk to you on Friday for the game preview show. We're going to try and have some guests. I'm not entirely sure who it's going to be yet. Uh, but somebody who is up to speed on the Carolina Panthers, we can promise you that. So be on the lookout for that. Subscribe to the YouTube. Frank channel. Reich, yeah, yeah. Frank Reich, he's not doing much of anything lately. So maybe we could, uh, make it, maybe we could ring up the old ball coach there and uh, get some insight from him. Subscribe to or, the show. Hey,
1: or ex Buccaneer Josh McCown, who was also fired too. You, oh, you
0: yeah, call him up. Yeah, that is true. Fired from Carolina. He was their quarterbacks coach. Oh no, kidding! I forgot he was on yeah. that staff. Yeah. Last I had heard, he was in Houston. And nope. and I guess he went out. No, there. no. Well, well, now he can be if he wants to be. Yeah, yeah. No kidding. <laughs> Subscribe to the show on YouTube. YouTube.com forward slash Cannon Fire Podcast. You can find us live and also more great news about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, with videos all week long. Exclusive content by the fans for the fans. Follow us on social media: Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Cannon Fire Podcast. Best place to go for updates on the show. And, of course, Tampa Bay Buccaneer news as it happens. Speaking of Bucks news as it happens, you can follow my co-host Evan on Instagram at bucks underscore daily. You can also find him on Twitter at EvanNFL and check out his written work at Bucksnation.com. What can the people expect this week?
1: Yeah, still going to be t- I haven't uh, finished it yet, but going to be taking a look at Devin White and his potential future in Tampa Bay well, uh, sometime
0: later this week. So um, t- stay tuned for that. Looking forward to it. Last but not least, you can find myself, Instagram, and Twitter slash X at Redicus. R-H-E-T-T-A-K-U-S. If you follow me, I will follow you back. But that's the show. We'll talk to you on Friday. Thank you again for hanging out with us live today. Let's do it again on Friday. I'm your host, Rhett Matthew, signing off from our co host, Evan Wanish. We'll talk to you in the next one. Until then, and as always, thank you for listening, and go box.